for the world and be thankful to God. But before we can, st and I think I've totally missed this. I think I've just read, put on, put on, put on kindness, humility, meekness, patience. I think I totally have skipped the most important parts. Because what is he, what is he, what is he saying? That true identity is if you are in Christ Jesus, you are chosen by God. God has chosen you. Not only has he chosen you, he's also made you holy, set you apart for his use. And I don't know how long you've been a believer, but maybe the last one can actually be the hardest. God actually loves you. So these things make up our true identity in Christ. And if we would live from that, then the next things will be possible. But if you, like me, kind of go to like, oh, I'm going to be kind, I'm going to be humble, I'm going to be meek, I'm going to be patient, it will be one long to try to change. But living into God chose me for this. He set me apart and he always has my best in mind. He actually loves me and delights in me. Can you feel, I don't know where you're at, but can you feel did you want to push back and there's voices inside of you racing up saying, yeah, but isn't God, you know, isn't God really slightly disappointed in my progress? Am I really wholly set apart for God's work? Does God really love me or does he just kind of have to put up with me because Jesus died for me? Did God really choose me? If those are the things that are concerning, bubbling up in your heart at this point, then that's exactly why we have this sermon today. Because in Christ, you are chosen by God. You are holy, set apart, clean, totally clean, and set apart for you, God. He does actually really love you for who he's made you to be. Not a future version of you. Because when he died, and God knew you before you were born, he knew everything you were going to do wrong. And he still chose you and still loved you and still set apart you part to be holy. 
So we are to believe that we are chosen by God. It is also called elected, adopted into God's family. Sometimes people think this is really controversial. I really don't think it is. I personally have no problem with this. Because in this passage, it's to encourage the believer. It's never about talking about who is, but it's encouraging the believer. It's, I want to encourage you so much. Everyone that Christ has died for is chosen. It's not a matter of like, we're talking about it. No, it's to encourage the believers. It is in all the passages. It's never been about fighting about it. It's about encouraging the believers that could be struggling. No, God did choose you. And so Paul writes, again, to encourage these people and us to, to believe that so we live out our faith in God. Also when it's hard. And that we really believe that being chosen is part of our primary identity. I don't know if you were good in sports or you were good at the different games you played, but most of the people have tried not to be chosen for different things. And you're standing there like, oh, who's going to choose me? Well, the creator of the universe chose you. So we need to let that think sink in, not up here, but into the whole person of we are. Because why is this so important? Because it determines how we live our lives. And then the next point is not less mind-blowing or exploding. Um, Paul says we're not only chosen, we're also set apart. We're holy. I'm going to attempt to do something with the slides here and try to explain the slides. So my Greek is not very good. But that word is holy. And it's set apart from common use. It's something hallowed that's set, set apart uh, for God. The, it's what we are in the Christian community. We are pure, we're righteous, we're clean, ceremonially and, and morally, holy. And yes, I know we <laughs> I know when we look in the mirror we don't see that. But that is what we are as we are chosen. God chose to make us holy through Jesus Christ. So when God sees us, he sees us that part. He's chosen us. He's set us apart for his use. Totally clean, set apart for his use. And isn't that amazing? Isn't that overwhelming? We are loved by God. Not only are we loved by God, he also says, come come and be part of my family. Come and have an identity. Come and be cleaned of all the things that you have done wrong. Not only that, but come into my family and I'll give you a job. I will invite you in to work for me. You could say in the family company. I don't know if that's a good notion. <laughs> So not only are we chosen, but we're not just chosen to sit on the bench. We're chosen to get in the game of life 
and 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 in strong humility understand what it means to be chosen strong humility see what it, what it means to be holy and with that walk in our our lives the third one also I also had a slide for so this is explaining that God actually deeply loves us in the text we see um, beloved God's chosen ones holy and beloved this is the relationship of love between the creator uh, not the creator <laughs> the creation and the creator it's never a word used by love between people it's it's this is actually Paul saying you guys are chosen you are holy and you are deeply loved by God and again I know if you're a little bit like me you you can feel yes I know you're saying that but I know myself I don't work hard enough I fail many times but God knows that's why these things are so incredible but also maybe hard for us to grasp do we really if we look at ourselves do we really see ourselves this way as chosen holy deeply loved by the creator of the universe if we stand in that identity why would we get mad at other people for small things if this identity is unrockable how how firm will we stand against opposition of different strange things if you're like me maybe you sometimes yell at the TV or you see things that are annoying and it bothers you or maybe it's all totally different things but it, standing in firm identity of this, this those things would never matter because we have all the things that everybody needs deeply loved set apart chosen and it's so important because it actually it actually helps us either understand or misunderstand the gospel believing these three things helps us understand how good the gospel is that Christ did not just die for us so that God would accept us and love us no it's the other way around he God actually did all of this because he loves us that we were loved in our worst state and accepted by Christ's work when we were at our worst are you 
in the deepest person of who you are, transformed by that love, do you stand secure in that? What's happening inside right now in you, in your mind and heart? Is the Holy Spirit really moving all this in your in your body and it's sinking deep? Or is there is your body tightening up and trying to defend yourself against these things? Saying, I'm not really holy, I, I don't really believe that God loves me. And I, why would he choose me? Beloved people, if we don't believe this, we will not show this to other people. If we don't believe these things, we're not able to do the next things in the text. If we don't believe these things, we will not show humility. We will not be meek. We will not be patient. We will not bear with one another. We will not forgive one another. Because these things, we have to believe these things. Or else it wouldn't. Now the very good thing is that if we do, we can put on kindness. We can put on meekness. We can bear with one another. We can forgive one another. And as we go through this long list of things, I was just reminded, have you seen God's compassionate heart for you? Have you seen his kindness? Have you seen his humility? Have you seen his meekness? Have you seen his patience? Have you seen how much he has forgiven you? And Paul is very adamant, because you've been given so much, you have to forgive other people. But isn't that really difficult if we don't really believe that we have been forgiven? But if we do, we can. We ought to. We have to. And in other things, like we see meekness. Yeah, meekness of God in Christ's humiliation. His trials, his mocking, hanging on the cross. How much humility and meekness did that take? For he had all the power to come down, but he didn't. His extreme patience was you and me in our life and death. Or in his life and his death. The amazing, yeah. But how about in our lives? How many times have we rebelled and sinned against God? God, extreme patience towards us. Or sometimes our, the opposite of humility, we make ourselves our own God. We, we, we lack our trust in God. We let our fears and stress control our lives. But what if we really believed that God has chosen us and set us apart, cleaned our hearts, made us totally righteous, and that God actually deeply loves us in the core of who 
you are. My prayer is that at this moment in time, it's the Holy Spirit winning over your doubts. The Holy Spirit is planting these things in you that as you believe that you are chosen, if you believe you are holy, as you believe you are deeply loved, then the fruits will be by the Holy Spirit you will be able to show compassionate hearts, display supernatural kindness, supernatural humility. Thinking about how not only us, but the people around us are made in the image of God. What if all of this would actually lead us to worship God? That we are chosen, holy, deeply loved, and that what flows out of us of kindness to reach other people would be a life of worship. Then because Jesus bore our sins, Paul then commands us, and so does Jesus, commands us to forgive one another because we have been so much forgiven. Again, that part would always depend on how much we understand the good news. Because if I will not forgive, it's like the parable of the wicked tenant who gets forgiven, but then he won't forgive the next person. So if I don't know and don't believe that I'm fully forgiven, set about holy, there will be something in me that don't want to forgive when people hurt me. But understanding this gospel of Jesus even more would help us live these things out. Inside our fellowship, we would even hopefully have an attitude that we're never out to get one another, but an attitude of wanting to reconcile, wanting to forgive one another when we fail. Our differences won't divide us, but would be something to encourage us because we would be in trouble if I had to do the budget things because that would not be good for us. That we all have different skills and abilities. So it's a command. It, and you know what? Kylie brings it up all the time. It's like, how can people who are not believers, how can they forgive? And I think it's a really good question. How can they really forgive? And I like, theologically, I would say they can't because they've sinned against God and another person. So if they don't, if there's no sacrifice of Jesus, you can't really forgive because there's been sin against God and sin against the person. I sidetracked myself there. But there's a point. <laughs> Is that <clears throat> if that we, if we have unforgiveness against people when we've been forgiven, an unpayable debt, we, we misunderstand that God is a judge and we are not. When we forgive, we don't say it doesn't matter. 
we give it into God's hand to be the one that judges. And then because we were set free from sin on the cross, we don't judge anymore. We have God as the judge, and he will deal with everything in his perfect way. And it's very good to have him. Yeah, that's what it is. And then Paul mentions the glue that binds everything together. I mean, in the glue part, he doesn't say it's glue, but he says it's love that binds everything together because we were f so much loved. Like, if we believed that deep love that God had for us, then, yeah, then what? Because we can't even love if we don't understand that he loved us first, as John writes. We love because he loved us first. And then it binds, that love binds everything together in Paul's words, in perfect harmony. What about in your relationships? What would this look like? What would it look like to love one another in that way? Would there be no conflicts? Would there be no problems? Well, when we read, <laughs> when we read it, it's, Paul says, no, because he has a whole section on forgiveness. So it's not that we won't hurt one another, but it is that when we hurt one another, we seek to forgive one another and restore one another. And so in your family, it's not that you won't have conflict, but there's a matter of if I stand in my true identity, how how am I going to take that conflict and how will I reconcile it? So Paul wouldn't write this whole section if it was about like, if you just do these things, you won't have any conflict in your churches or any personal conflicts with anyone. No. But he gives a totally different way of responding to it. Because we were, again, I'm just saying the same thing again, because we will respond so differently to the whole the world we live in, to all the people we live with, if we really believe we're chosen, if we really believe we're holy, if we really believe that we are deeply loved by God. That's why I called it primary identity. Because I believe in Christ that that is what we are called to. That this is supposed to determine who we are. And also, what this text doesn't say, that is that there will not be any more conflicts, but that the way we handle conflicts will be, will be with love and compassion, kindness, when we face hurt, disappointment, and failures. And that leads to, that leads to an often misquoted verse where we ask for the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding. But he does say, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's what we're called to as the body of Christ. That cannot happen if we don't believe that we're chosen, holy, and God deeply loves us. And if we're unwilling to forgive people, 
some questions. Do you have peace? Do you feel worried all the time? Do you have a lot of fears or feel fearful? Do you have a need to control things? But what if we could rest in what God has done? I want to encourage you and say that you are not God. <coughs> Instead, you should trust God instead of yourself. As we look to one another, do we see the peace of Christ coming out of one another? Do we see love, a supernatural love? Do we see a supernatural compassion? Do we see supernatural patience, kindness, humility, forgiveness? Do we see a people group marked by thanksgiving? And what about you? Paul writes this, I mean, oh, it's not a long section, but he writes this section, and he is, is a person who talks about this a lot, and he says what these things should result in, knowing that you are chosen, knowing that you are holy, knowing that you're deeply loved, should result in those things, and then it should all lead to what we're celebrating in some days, Thanksgiving. And Paul says, this is not, oh, I'm going to be thankful. No, he commands it. Be thankful. It's not like, and be thankful if you feel like it. No, be thankful. And this, it's funny, in the Bible, there's a lot of things that we're commanded to do that seems like impossible, especially in a day where feelings no, that Paul is like, yeah, if you feel like it, no. Be thankful. Love people. I think we must reflect at this point reflect, am I thankful? And how much thankful am I? If the creator of the universe has chosen you, has made you holy, deeply loves you, how thankful should I be? for that plus all the other things he's done in your whole life I wouldn't probably say that I'm not thankful enough and like always I, like always it, it's a process since you found out that God chose you so whenever you commit your life to Christ and you understood these things, he's been growing you. And prayerfully, you've seen growth. You've seen that you understand this better. Your identity is becoming more clear. The identity of being chosen holy and deeply loved is becoming more clear. And you're seeing that come out of you towards others. So are we growing in love for God and one another? <laughs> so how do we apply all this? Well, it's actually kind of hard to say because it depends on what came up in you during this time of the sermon. Some of you can be like, yes, this is totally me. Yes, thank you for reminding me. Some of you have had some issues there. Maybe there's been some struggles. So it's different to say exactly how to apply this. The interesting thing about Paul is that he just commands people to do it. 
do it. And Jesus is the image of God in full deity. He died to save you. He died so you, you, now all your sin is, you died with his sin. You're now raised. You're chosen by God, set apart holy. Live that life towards others. Remind one another and be thankful. So that people can see what Christ has done in your life and see how you have been loved by God. And then, like Jesus says, that if we all do that, then people would see us as like, those people might be strange, but they really do believe that God loves them. Maybe God can love me too. I'm going to try anyway. So, so if you're sitting there and or out there or somewhere, and, and you really f- somehow through this sermon has this voice saying, I really don't believe God loves me and that's good for me. That's what the enemy would love for you to struggle with and to believe and, and to be, continue to believe that and and also as you walk out that door you forget everything I just said that, 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 that you would forget all about what God has done and that way the enemy would have snatched away the good news that Paul is so wanting to share with you today and with the Colossians and with the Laodiceans. This is not in my notes. If that is you, ask for somebody to pray with you before you leave. Before you go in there, and we have a few things, we don't actually have food today, but there's some Abelskewer or something. Don't leave. If you don't believe, that God has chosen you, made you holy and deeply loved you, then wait and ask for somebody around you to pray with you. That you, that you would enter into that process, that you would hear the good news again from somebody who deeply loves you. If you are a believer in Jesus and you have repented and following, followed him, like those things are lies. So whatever, whatever has caused you not to believe this is a lie. Because it was never about you being good enough. Because God chose. And he knew what he chose. He knew you before you were become born. God's not surprised. It clearly states very clearly for me, apparently I've not seen it very clearly before, that God loves you. Why would you put up a fight and disagree? Why would you? Maybe it's hurt, pain, guilt, shame, unrepented sin, distrust. 
But you know that God knew all of those things. Pray with a friend. Have accountability. Have encouragement. Have many people remind you about this often. And for all of us, cultivate a life of thanksgiving. Pray that the Lord would help our hearts overflow with the love of God. That it would spill over to one another and we express our thanksgiving. And I'm really thankful for you guys. And how you testify about the, what the Lord does in and through us. Because I think that's a part of it as well. Because that can lead to a life of worship. Things, but if Thanksgiving is lacking in our lives, it's like a lamp in your car that's starting to flash red. If, like, if you're overcome by grumbling, complaining, it's like a light bulb should go off and be, ooh, if my primary identity is chosen by God, holy, deeply loved, why am I ungrateful and unthankful? So something has to change or be repaired in the car and in our hearts. We have to be reminded by our friends who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for us. Be gently reminded by people. Be prayed for. Know the deepness of what Christ has done for us. Now, the hard truth is, and I stated that in my first sermon, if you are not a believer, this is not true about you. I explained this in the first sermon. And Paul is writing to believers who want to serve and follow Jesus. And you're like, well, how can you say that? Well, that's because that's what it says. If you want to be your own God and control everything in your life, then these things are not true about you. But just like when we talked about the wrath of God, it's an invitation. It's an invitation to come to Jesus. Submit your life to Jesus. Live for him. And then these things will be certainly true of you. Deeply loved, holy, and chosen. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, um, Thank you for this time. Thank you for this word. Thank you for your extreme faithfulness. Even when we're not, we're not as faithful as you. We, as you know, we fail. But Lord, God, thank you that you communicate to us through this lovely letter to the Colossians, that Paul encouraging the Colossians and the Laodiceans and us. That in you, Jesus, we are chosen, we are holy, and we are deeply loved. Jesus, thank you for making all of it possible.
Lord God, Holy Spirit, I pray at this point, will you just thwart all the enemy's plans of taking this away from us? Will you please have this transform who we are, that this will be deeply rooted in us, and this will be our primary identity, to be chosen, holy, and deeply loved, that we would live out that to a world that so often has no hope. Help us, Lord, we ask. Help us to do it with humility and kindness and all the other things that should flow from that. Help us to encourage one another when it's just difficult because of circumstances, life, all those things. Help us to love each other well. Lord, I ask that you would help us that all these things would turn into a lifestyle of worship to you. Not that we are great because we're chosen, but you are great because you choose. Not that we're great because we're holy, but you are because you did it. Not that we are great and more worth than anybody else, but because you love us, but because you chose to love us. Help us be humble about all of it, but help us to invite other people in as we understand better and better. Lord, may you bless these people hearing this stuff. Help us to really truly believe by your Spirit. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, please, if you are struggling through this message, don't leave, but ask somebody to pray with you. And uh, I think that will be the best thing for us to do together. Uh, I'm going to give a benediction, and then please do what you need to do. Do the business you need to do with God before leaving. Um, and also just uh, please respect that so don't start yelling and screaming at each other in here but just like slowly if you I, I've done my business then just slowly just walk to the next room um, so let's have the benediction oh I forgot that point but that's that's the outline chosen by God holy beloved then we can put on then we are called to forgive the glue, the love, that creates peace. And all those things sh should lead us to be thankful. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead all the Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.